0: Don Rahul Jimenez. Hi amateurs, that? Like, you don't even see that down the park. If they, if they lose, it feels great. Content.
1: The with
0: your head? I am supporting every team that feels break.
1: I'm not making a documentary this year about how shit my
0: club is. Mudman, thank you as always. Yeah. Who would you rather lose it to, by the way, me or Johnny? That's somebody's choice <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Sports Bowl Sunday the 27th September, what is it, half eight now i mean, um, as we're sitting down to record this week's uh, Sports Bowl. I'm joined by, of course, uh, Mr. Tall Brenton, hello Brenton. Hello, All right. Uh, Mudman Cousin Jonathan Hello Jonathan Hello And the Brains is back Patrick Renshaw. You've, you've come back on Two weeks in a row now Fair fucks you Thanks very
2: much Thanks for having me back
0: Yeah you, you must have Enjoyed yourself last week
2: That's good crack yeah Any excuse
0: to talk about a football um, There'll be no debate Between me and Patrick this week Well there's none planned anyway Unless he says something ludicrous And I have to try and have a go at him again But Don't think there's a debate planned We have plenty to get into. Um, obviously the handball rule and what happened this week in the Premier League is going to be heavy across all you'd think football podcasts this week so we're going to touch on it a little bit because um, it does seem like they might need to fix that. Uh, there was obviously a few wild games this weekend. Brenton's going to tell us what happened. Uh, Chelsea in, uh, at West Brom last night and, and how they fixed that. Uh, Manchester United got very lucky, managed to win a game after the game was finished. Uh, it's almost like Fergie's back paying off referees. And then um, we'll chat about Leicester's demolition of Manchester City this afternoon and where that's leaves Manchester City. And, and could this be sort of a start of potential burnout under Pep, which we've seen before in other teams. But um, yeah, so far, so good. The The weekend's football has been been a bit wild, like, there's been a few results, lads, and a few, sort of, performances that um, have stood out, like, currently now, West Ham are thumping wools 3-0, the Premier League's, <laughs> it's going back to being a bit mental, so, like, we're going to, t- we'll touch on the handballs, just to get out of the way, because I think it's important, did, did all of you see uh, the Crystal Palace handball decision? Yes. Did you no. say,
3: Patrick? No.
2: I, I haven't
0: seen the palace one. So basically, I think Brenton, you said you had seen it. So basically the ball comes into the box and Digney heads the ball down as if it's going, like heads it towards the ground and it hits Joel Ward's hand. Now his hand like he hasn't put his hand out, his hand's beside his body. It's a bit like last year when uh, the Man City Liverpool game when the ball hit Trent's hand, his hand's down by his side. Referee gives a penalty and Everton going to win the game from that. And The new rules, sort of, they brought in this year. It used to be, basically, they were only going to award a penalty if it was for deliberate handball or deliberate action, which I think we can all agree is the right way to do it. But they decided this year they were going to change the rules. And so the new rules, basically, accidental handball would only be penalised if it happened immediately before goal, and any handball below the armpit um would then determine a penalty basically so the international football association board brought this ruling um they, they, they sort of amended it as well just before the start of the season so, so it will only be punished again and they am going to highlight that immediately if um the goal becomes of it so that's why the Kai halberts one last night didn't happen for uh west brom because then a the ball was played out by the west brom defender and that's how the ball was continued. But it's this whole notion now that um, they're sort of taking away the, the option for the referee, I think, lads, to determine whether it was an accident or not. So I don't know how you should feel, and I don't know who wants to jump in here first, but if I was an attacker and say I was in the box and, and I had, like, some of these attackers are obviously elite and I had their, their brain to try and slow things down. I would aim for someone's hand if, I wasn't, if a shot wasn't on for a goal. I would just aim at someone's body. You're just going to be given the penalty until they changes?
3: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: I don't think <clears throat> it'll be long um, because it seems across the board um, they're calling for change and that's um, players, coaches, managers, you know, um, everybody associated with football club pundits. Um, I know Gary Neville came out this morning and uh spoke out right against it. Um and then obviously there was another one today in the um Spurs and Newcastle game. Um and that brought up a little bit again. It is kinda of stupid. Um I think <clears throat> you're right and I think it was maybe Graham Sooner said today that like um like players diving, it is just gonna become the new thing where you kind of play it at an opponent's hand inside the box. It's it's basically a guaranteed penalty. Um, if the ball um is going towards goal or if it's you know a pass that's gonna lead their goal. Um, I also think that part of it is confusing because um you know West Brom probably could have argued last night that the Havertz one was you know immediately before a goal. Um because there was like two or three seconds before the ball was in the net. And that was a you know it did hit his hand, quite obviously. Um so I think it it probably will change. Um but I mean, yeah, if it you know, I'm an attacker and if it was me, like I would just be purposely trying to do it now because it seems like the you can't blame the referees anymore. They have kind of taken it out of their hands and said, give everything, basically. And this is what they're using the um, the screens at the side to go and do. If you um if they go over and you can see straight away that it doesn't take them long once they see it's striking a hand at all, aldic, um straight away. And it's kinda it's ruining it because well, for defenders, it's obviously running on it, but. Some people will say, well, if it's the same route for everyone, then we just gotta get used to maybe seeing more penalties. Um, and maybe that's what they've tried to do. You know, the, the argument being that um, penalties makes the game more exciting and especially recently it seems that all these penalties have been given in like the very last kick of the game or else, as you said, with United after the game. So I don't know if it's been done on purpose or, or that's just a coincidence, but um, I think it has to go.
0: What do you make of it, Patrick? Yeah, actually, whenever you were speaking
2: there, I just looked up the, the Joel Ward one as well, so I'm sort of abreast of it or aware of it now. Um, yeah, I think, like Brent said, it's absolute shite, to be honest. You know, it's, we're, we're getting towards an absolute shite sport like hockey where you just hit it against someone's foot and it's a free kick. You know, yeah. the ones the ones that happened this week, the dual Ward one, which you just saw, wasn't a penalty. The Eric Dyer one today was disgraceful. He had his back turned; it came at him from half a yard away. It's impossible to move. Even the Mopé one, I know one match today they said they would give that. He he again, he's I know his arm is in a strange position, but he's jumping. You know, he's using his arm for leverage, and he's half a yard away. You know, we need a bit of common sense. Otherwise, there's going to be a penalty or two in every game. Um, the Havertz one, like Brandon said, you know, last season that that would have been chalked off, uh, and I think West Brom could rightly feel pretty aggrieved with that one. Um, you know, because uh, you, I can't remember the exact phrasing you used, Philly, but you said, you know, if it's is it a different passage of play or something, is the West Brom player played it out, but um, like it's the goal happens a matter of two or three seconds later, Um so yeah, I think it's absolute shite needs to change um, even decisions that went in our favour against Leeds there in the first game of the season The I think it was Cock Robin Cock, that, that was never yeah,
0: uh, yeah.
2: never no. in a million years so yeah, they need to get a change and whatever tends to be whenever the these pundits come out whoever it be, Sunes or Redknapp Carragher and Neville usually when they come out pretty strongly it does change hopefully fairly quickly so um, we'll see, fingers crossed because yeah, rubbish
0: Johnny, can you imagine if a league title is decided by this? Like, can you imagine if tomorrow night was the league decider, right? And say, because I want your take on this if it happened to you, and say, Gabriel, the ball hits him like it do, does die, where he's no notion of where the ball is. His back's turned, so he can do nothing about it. Next thing, Salah gets a penalty to win the league in the last minute. Take away, Liverpool, say you're playing someone else and your team loses in the last minute. Like, that's, that is utter nonsense.
1: Yeah, it is utter nonsense. Um, it will probably end up happening to one of our teams tomorrow. It's like, just the way the leagues went this weekend. Um, it will change. Like They always give in to pressure don't they? and they change the rules, but then change them and make them even worse than what they were before. <laughs> uh, I don't agree with the rules. It's terrible. But you know what? I'll lock my absolute balls off the day of Newcastle got a penalty. So, you know, things going to like
3: what do you think what do you think the rule should be out of interest
0: um, I don't know why. I don't know why they, they needed to change it like, I, I, each, I each, quite like go on ahead, sorry, project, I, ahead. Like, I was going to say no, going I, I quite
2: like quite the the natural silhouette thing but then take in proximity I think if you do that you know if you're too close and it hits someone I don't think it should be a penalty
0: yeah, if if you're like within like say three or four yards away from a Premier League striker and he smashes the ball like and it hits you, I mean there's nothing you can do. But if you're like if he's like fifteen twenty yards out and the ball hit, and your your hand it hits you then then obviously it's a penalty or if there's there's a, there's an actual clear action being made because we have VAR now so you can determine whether an action has been made or not. None of those penalties yesterday. Uh, Mope is probably the one that's on the borderline because his hands up. Yeah, I get that and he's and and whatever Um so, I mean, like I don't know how we can argue against that. And United fans, I think, we're just doing it because we hate them. We still hate them, but we're not doing it for that. But the rest of the penalties, like, none of them should have happened. And, 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 and the, the Havertz one, um, like, that rule's gone now. So, I know West Bram obviously aggrieved by it, but that's not in the little law anymore. And again, he knew nothing about that ball. So, that rule was far- farce as well. Do you know what I mean? He, knew not, he, didn't, he, he didn't control it with his hand. It hit him accidentally. So, I don't know. I, I don't know why they're changing them. I still, and we talked about it, I think, last week, the week before. I don't know why they've changed the penalty rule where a goalkeeper has to stand on his line or keep a foot behind his line. You might as well just have open goals and that player stroke it in. Or just, when you get awarded a penalty, just chuck a goal onto the net or onto the score line. you know what I mean? Because, it's going to be very, very difficult now for goalkeepers to save a penalty and then they're <laughs> because they're getting them for, for no reason as well. It's, it's just a farce. Like I, I don't use the racist thing, but I just I despair think, at it. And that, that hockey analogy, Padre, was very good. We are Not that hockey's a cross-board, I'm not saying that, but we're going to end up at a point where it's constant. One are running four or five referees, standing in different zones, blowing it, free hit, all this here, bollocks, and it's just going to ruin the game. Do you
3: think um, the no one was a penalty?
1: Yeah, I thought it was when I seen at the game. it,
3: it again. I, I thought it was probably the most obvious one, actually.
0: It, out yeah. of all of them, it's the most obvious, but if it's your team, you're absolutely fuming.
1: Oh, we are. Of course, you are, especially after the no, whistle goes. Like, you think but, the game's over and that shit happens.
0: Yeah, that that's more of an issue for me
3: that he blew the whistle um, and that should be the game over. But uh, what is Mope doing jumping with his hand like that? Like, I I think. You can't re- like I would give that apparently every time, and if that was against my team, it would be more the it being blown after the whole time whistle rather than it's not a handball yeah. because it is a handball,
0: yeah. Um, I think that would be the issue for me as well. If the ge- if the whistle's gone, the game should be over. But again, VAR has come in now, and, and VAR has decided and they have a rule in place that even if the, the, the whistle is gone, a referee can look at a contentious decision that has happened within the moments of the whistle being blown, which means he can go back and check it. Like So we don't even know when a game's finished now, you know what I mean? They could have things. But here, well, I don't want to talk too much about um referee decision and laws because this is more of a podcast where we just talk nonsense about football and pretend we know what we're talking about. Um, uh, So, Brenton, uh, I was, me and Johnny were texting privately because we didn't want to poke the big burr last night when uh, oh, I did, but he wouldn't and, let me. Well, running amok, uh, <laughs> because uh, we didn't know what was going on, and um, obviously, I was texting you anyway, just like just to say, like about Lonzo being puke. But what happened last night, Brenton? Um,
3: yeah, I think that that probably would have been a bad idea if you text me, um, during that debacle <laughs> of the first time.
0: I um, wasn't going to, but cousin Mud was all for it. It wouldn't have ended well born, That's just bad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but
3: uh, yeah, I, I couldn't explain it either. I was getting really, really angry. Um, I actually, first of all, didn't think um, I didn't think West Brom would bring as much as that um, attacking wise, but I was surprised at um, Chelsea starting lineup because I knew that Aspilicueta was fit. And I knew that I would rather have him at left back, uh, albeit out of position, than Alonso. Um, and therefore, it would also mean that, uh, you know, Aspilaqueta would have the captain's armband. Because he can speak English, he can communicate with the players, he knows them, he knows their positions, what they should normally be in, what they shouldn't. Thiago Silva, uh, you know, as much of a leader as he probably is, and um, maybe eventually will be on the pitch for Chelsea. He's been there a week and he doesn't know the players and he can't, you know, speak to them and, and tell them what to do. Um, And I think that was a mistake by Frank. I think um he probably should have given that first Premier League start just to settle into it. And it was maybe kind of a bit much for him, too much responsibility. And, and I'm not saying that's why he made his mistake, but, you know, it maybe was too much on his shoulders for the first game. Um. And he probably would have benefited from, from having Aspala there beside him, you know, that experience in the Club captain in the first um in his first game. So um yeah, I think that was a mistake. Um and then uh, I, I think pretty much everything that said after the game was probably true, is that um you know it's it's the individual or it's, it's you know, Alonso twice, you can't account for it. Um and I would be very surprised to see him start. Um, Chelsea's next game, um, even if Chilwell does not fit uh, as well, as that, I will probably go in there because, um, you know, when it comes down to it, he's costing you points, really. Um, and I don't think we'll see that sort of thing from Thiago Silva that often. Um, I do think that was just a rare one, but it just came up at the wrong time. But yeah, first half of, you know, I, haven't, I don't think I've seen a was
0: the worst of the first half in, in a long, long time. Uh, as a Chelsea fan, I. They. And I'll let the other two jump in here in a minute. The. The. Thiago Silva choice as a captain would. I would worry me a wee bit. Just been like, Frank, calm down here little tiny. I know Thiago Silva's obviously been. He's done a lot of things in his game. And he capped. He captain Brazil and stuff. And he. But when he capped Brazil in the World Cup, I need so much pressure on him. He. He, was, he wasn't great I know he got injured and he missed a lot of the, the, the semi-final uh, hoofing session by Germany but he wasn't great that World Cup and the pressure got to him and and yes there was no fans there last night but he still only just arrived in at Chelsea and he gave some the camp. it was real when I saw it I, didn't, I was like what is going on here it's a real weird one because as you said he's only just arrived in we don't know how good his English is all this here and who he can communicate to and Chelsea did look like a defence thrown together last night for that first half I don't know if you saw the game, Patrick, or what you made of it. but
2: Yeah, I saw the, the second half, and I saw, I've seen the highlights in the match of the day as well. Um, but yeah, I totally agree. It, it would massively worry me if a new signing is given the captain's armband that quickly, because it smacks that, listen, Lampard's basically saying there's no leaders here. You know, among the 11 that started, or 10, 10 take a bit of other, we don't have any leaders, so I need to plug a leader in. And I need to sort of make this guy my, my captain. That would, that would worry me a wee bit. I know what Azpilicueta on the bench there. But um, yeah, would would be concerning. Um, the back four, exactly what, what Brendan says, you know, someone's first game in the Premier League, you want someone alongside him who has bags full of experience um, and maybe even someone who can speak the same language as him, whether it be, I don't know if he speaks a bit of French or he obviously speaks Portuguese or maybe he knows a bit of Spanish, but it must be very hard to marshal that. You know, Christensen's beside him, who is a good defender, but like, you know, he's young, he's not massively experienced. Reese James maybe only has, I don't know, 20, 30 senior games for Chelsea. And Marcus Long, who's absolute dog shit to his side. So it's, it's a and a keeper behind him who is not first choice, is probably going to go down. They know the no, the no there's a new keeper coming in and he's, Pass the sell by date. So, of that back five, he's having to marshal and talk people through and captain in his first ever game. It's a lot of pressure. And um, so, yeah, uh, concerning. Obviously, he was at fault for the second goal. And I just looked up Callum Robinson. Callum Robinson scored 5% of his goals in the last four years last night. So, uh, that's not a good sign for Chelsea's defense.
3: Yeah, all of his Premier League goals that he scored have come against Chelsea as well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Holy you geez. should just sign him, yes. uh, and then play him in the reserves. <laughs> but yeah, Johnny, so so uh,
2: much, so, so much attacking talent. But yeah, they need to sort
0: out the back. Yeah, it's uh, the, they're unreal going forward, and then just it's just a mad party at the back. Like it reminds me of a uh, Lovren and Skirtle and Karius days at Liverpool. Um, which I almost <laughs> didn't make it through um, Johnny what one did you make sorry, then of quickly. Chelsea tour last night yeah, sorry sorry
3: sorry. one thing I quickly will say is that um, you know hopefully maybe three quarters of that defence um, will not be our starting defence I mean Well's going to come in there um, yeah. Nandy hopefully long term will be there and I would say <clears throat> it'll probably be Thiago Silva and um, Zuma, which I was actually surprised. He, well, I'm not sure what the story was with that. Um, but I, I think he is our best setter half currently um, to, to partner Thiago Silva in the long term. I'm not sure if he was maybe had a slight knock or something, but uh, it could be because he prefers to play on the left, and so does Thiago Silva. And I'm not entirely sure on that one, like, but um, I wouldn't say you know that will that will be what Chelsea's defence looks like going forward. Which is the only kind of blessing. From last night, they're, they're remar- remarkable to come out with a draw. To be honest, after the first half,
0: and then obviously when you add Declan Rice later on in the week, <laughs> yeah, he, he didn't made make part- a
3: difference. My partner with centre back,
0: Johnny. They did come back in the end. Um, I know you were delighted uh, to make it three. What did you think of Chelsea's fight back then in the second half, and and uh, especially, I thought Callum Hudson Odoi was good.
1: Yeah. No, he, he played well, yeah. Um probably the best goal of the game, I thought his goal and it was very well taken and it was good build up play between him and Havertz. Um I, I said to Brenton earlier and um when we were taxing about Rhys James, I thought he had a, a pretty poor game. It's probably the I only seen the highlights of the game, obviously, but it's probably the worst game that I've I've seen him play for Chelsea. Um I think he was sleeping, I think it was the third goal for Kyle Bartley. I don't know. He just didn't pick him up, he just let the ball kind of go past him. I thought, um, and that, that they're, the, they're the type like Brenton says he would you know watch the, the attackers and stuff because he is an attacker. I was obviously a defender, and I watched defenders and their positioning and you know, based to how they react the corners. and I thought he was quite poor in that situation, but yeah, like fair play to Chelsea. They came back, um, I think that just kind of <laughs> came in at half time and Frank absolutely rattled him and they just went for it because. You have nothing to lose, really, and, and West Brom with their own downfall. Like you know, I I know we've seen it before in the past. Teams have came from three goals down, but you can't. It's just it's really unacceptable. Like you know, one other goal probably would have killed that off for West Brom, but they didn't kind of go for it in the end. And I think I seen one opportunity they had in the second half, and mm.
2: that
1: was really it. But and I think Team of Werner is getting close to that first goal. I think until he gets it, you know, there's always going to be people, well, you opposition fans who do their usual bullshit of uh, spend so much money on a striker and he can't score goals. But you could see yesterday, like, he was in the right positions and not for the goalkeeper, he probably would have got his first goal yesterday. But, yeah, uh, Havertz as well. I was quite impressed with him in the second half, especially for the second goal. So, like Brandon said, there's still plenty of players to still come into that healthy team. Like, you know, their defence will, will improve. Um, one game for Thiago Silva, it's hard to kind of judge him in this league. Obviously, the French mm-hmm. league is completely different to the Premier League, but um, we'll see when he comes up against better players. Like, it was just one, one mistake. Like, you can't really... Players are going to make mistakes. Even Virgil van Dijk's made mistakes over the last while. So, we'll, uh, we'll see what, what, what way he gets on over the coming months. <clears throat>
0: what, what did you make, Brenton, of Chelsea changing to, like, a three-five-two? in the second half. And do you think that'll that's something that if you've reached James and you've chillwell and then you go with Aspilicueta say Zuma and Diego Sylvan at the back. And the midfield then would be would that be the issue we you definitely need to add someone like Declan Rice in because what three back two obviously worked by getting the goals last night, Brent, but then as one of our old guests, Liam Toomey pointed out, they were so open at times in midfield.
3: Yeah, I don't think I think that was out of necessity more than anything else. Um, mm. I think at one stage Chelsea had um, like Giroud, Abraham, Mount, Hudson, Adai, Havertz, <laughs> Werner, all on the pitch. Like, and you know, it's you can't um, you know you can't allow for that in just a normal setup. I think he he'd want to. Um, he'll Want to play the system that he started with last night, which uh, is 4 2 3 1 with Havertz in a 10 and uh, Werner and Martin Abraham. I think that's um, that's what I wanted to see, and I was happy to see that before the game. But then, you know, the um, I think uh, Kovacic and Kante probably gave the ball away a bit too much in the first half, and then you know, obviously, the individual mistakes at the back, and you know, we've, we've already spoken about, but um. <clears throat> I think it was important, probably, that um, Chelsea scored and got that goal, which was a great strike, by the way. Um, Yeah. uh, You know, early-ish in that second half, so I think it was around 54, 55 minutes, which kind of made West Brom think. And that's when they probably sat in a bit more and allowed Chelsea to come onto them. And then um, when Chelsea brought on, you know, more and more attackers, um, it pushed them back even further and it was almost inevitable you always think obviously i didn't think that that they could have come back but it probably looked like they were more and more likely to score and if there was a few more minutes they probably would have went on and won the game as well like so um yeah i, I mean attacking wise they do look great at the times um but those players still are also learning each other's games too so uh, i think I know you, you. know when you spend that money, you don't really. You're not really given time, but I think they still need a few weeks, um, to to fully, um, uh, you know, plan together. And um, I, I think that system that he started with last night will will be a system going forward.
0: Who do you play next?
3: And we play Spurs in the Carabao on Tuesday night, and then we play Crystal Palace, which is going to be difficult
0: um, next weekend. Really. Two tough games, then, coming up. Yeah. Um, A tough game yesterday for Manchester United, which they somehow uh, managed to come out with a win in, even though the game finished. Typical Manchester United, the shower bastards where a game ends and they still manage to somehow win it. I'd say they were absolutely delighted. I'll be later with myself. But just before we get into it, Pat, and let you go in. Um, Brighton had 18 attempts. United had seven. Brighton at the woodwork. I think it was was it four times? Trossard especially should have a hat trick. An unreal save by the head at the end. Then they equalized. Then they get sucker punched. They had more possession. United like nearly a hundred more passes or something. So many more corners. Was it they had eight and United had one. That was an absolute hoof in session. Like, and somehow they still managed to win the game at the end. It's ridiculous. Yeah.
2: They're- United are absolutely char shit like and they always come out and smell like roses of these things, you know, that you know, Brighton hitting the hitting the post, hitting the bar, even I know it's not everyone's cup of tea, but even the XG was heavily in, in Brighton's favour. Um yeah, they slaughtered them. Um but maybe that's what it takes. That might sort of kick start the United season a bit, give them a bit of confidence. Um but if I was a United fan, I would still be really concerned that that Brighton were wow. were sort of schooling schooling us or schooling United. Um loved Mo penalty by the way. You know, you see Panencas, but you rarely see them go that high in the net. It was a bit like yeah. I haven't seen one go as high that scored since the Dans in the 2006 World Cup final, you know, the other one went in off the bar. Yeah, yeah it was like, oh it was absolutely delicious. Like um but yeah, you know, wee moments of brilliance from United, like Bruno Fernandez's pass for Rashford's goal was just unreal. Like he laced it. Yeah. And just sort of bounced at perfect weight, and then Rashford just sent Ben White down the shops twice. Um yeah. absolutely brilliant, brilliant goal. And I really like both those players. I think they're both class players. Um, and maybe that'll get Rashford sort of kick him on a bit because he had a slow finish to this to, to the previous season after lockdown. He maybe wasn't quite as electric as he had been, but um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens, United. But Brighton looked decent. They, they've clearly. You know, they have a strength at centre-half with Webster, Duncan, and White, and they're sort of playing on that. Play the three of them, and, um, you know, they have got some good players around them. So, yeah, encouraging for Brighton, great result for United, but they'll need to improve a hell of a lot, a hell of a lot. And I don't know if this, you know, it sounds like they're signing a left-back, um, this guy from, from Porto, Alex Tellez. So, we'll see how he is, but I doubt he's going to cure a lot of the problems, Like.
0: We'll, we'll we'll find out what he's like uh, during the week because we have Con Murphy from uh, Live Score who uh, commentates on all the Portuguese league. He's coming on the chat to us about um, Portuguese players and obviously Alex Taille. So any United fans are, that are still somehow listening <laughs> after Johnny's run yeah. last week, fair foxes. And okay. um, stay tuned for that during the week because he'll be able to give you the lowdown, Johnny. Or uh, Johnny and Breton which one everyone wants to jump in. Did you see the game yesterday? I think you definitely did, Bretton. What do you make of um, obviously United's forms and Brighton's, but Paul Pogba again, ominous, which is worrying again for United fans. Whoever wants to jump in can jump in. Okay, okay, I'll go. I'll go.
1: I'll go. Uh, well, yeah, he wasn't honest. like. I don't know what Man United fans think. Like do they really think Ollie Gunner Solskjaer is going to bring them back to Pascal Reyes? Like he's just I don't know, like it's just it's wild that yeah, man still is still a manager. But it is like it's wild. It is absolutely wild. Like and how they won that game was I don't know, like it's just one of them games, you know, Teams win them and you just don't know how I like but I know a lot of people came off saying, Oh Brighton had the poster so many times and blah blah blah. Well they hit the post, like, they didn't put it in the net, so, like, what the fuck? Like, you know, you can't really say they should have won the game, like, they should have put it in the net and not hit the bloody post. But, yeah. uh, I, I think what we said earlier, it was a penalty for Man United. I agree, it was a penalty, like, what, um, we've talked about all that nonsense Nelson's before. Um, we, we said in our preview for the season that going forward, Man United are, are excellent. It's their backline, but you know, it's apart from a bit of Marcus rashford history, like, you know, I didn't see much from them where I'm like, you know, I'm not worried about playing Man United this year. Let's put it that way. And we're sort of rebuilding and so on and so forth. Like, I think a team like, like Liverpool or your Man City uh, will put them to the sword, absolutely destroy them. Uh, and if Ole Gunnar Solskjaer are still in the job of Man United come the end of the season, I will be shocked. Shocked because he is brutal. I don't know what way he sets his team up. What way? What way does he just? It's like he's playing FIFA. I'll just play four three three and just let the boys go do it. It's, it's, you just don't see where what the reaction manager are going with him.
0: There's no like you were you're hundred ten percent spot on, Johnny. Like and Brenton, you said it as well about the system. Obviously, Frank wants to try and incorporate, and I know he had to go kamikaze yesterday with. uh I don't even know if it was a 3 at one point. It was like a 1-10 uh, to try and get an equaliser, which I was all for enjoying myself watching it. Like, But Johnny's right there. there. There is, when you look at Man United, and this isn't us having to dig, there is no style of play. like Mikel Arteta, obviously, as Johnny well knows, and we all know, he's come into Arsenal, and even Klopp said the other day about Arteta, how he, you can see that it's his team and how he set his team up and he stamped his authority on it. What does Solskjaer do, Britain? Um, uh, I don't know what way he sets his teams up either Like uh, Johnny's 100% here uh,
3: Well I think he He tries to set it up uh, 4 2 3, one um, With uh, managing Pogba Houghton yesterday I, I was absolutely amazed that um, Danny Van de Beek didn't start um, I don't know If he's still Maybe not fully fit or he, he uh, Hasn't trained enough or whatever But um, Pogba was awful um, they get involved after sixty-five, seventy minutes. Um, he had it, it's like <clears throat> it's like both Manet and Pogba are are like a waste of two players at the moment. They're, they're a waste of two positions on that pitch for United because it seems to be I, I can't remember certainly yesterday any phases of play that you know important phases of play that they were involved in or that anything they did well or you know even interceptions they made anything like that. It it seems to be um. Well, yesterday a, a lot of the time it seemed to be Shaw going down that left and, and maybe fighting Fernandez, and then they're kind of leaning on him to create something. And I think they're they're probably doing that too much. United, they're um, really leaning on that Fernandez signing to um, to create everything. And um, I think they probably need and I think Maybe when he will when he does come into the side, he will. Add, I, I, I'm sure he will add that. Um but it's worrying that Pogba still isn't doing it. Like we're still what is it, you know, three, four years that he's been back at United now and he hasn't got round to that potential that people keep still keep talking about. Um but I mean, if you look at that game yesterday, I mean, I know we gave United a hard time here, but I don't think any of them could argue that they deserve to even draw that game and never mind win it. Um Fernandez you know, obviously he gave away the penalty, but then, every, I mean, he created the free kick he put in for the, the don't and goal, was a great ball-in. Uh, as Paddy Drake said, the ball he played for Rashford's goal uh, was superb. He opened the whole pitch up, and then he obviously had the penalty as well. So, kick him out of that team, and you're really, really suffering. There's no, you know, the, we've spoken about the defence not being strong, They need a centre-half. Yeah, they're they're maybe gonna sign a left back as well. Um Bamba Saga, we've spoken about before who who can defend but he can't go forward at all. Um so you know they're struggling there in one, and one position. Um and I think it would worry me as a NIA fan. Uh yes if Fernandez gets injured, say for example, um you you're struggling to pick up points, I think. There's no link between their defense. On their forward line, which is their shaving grace, usually you, you, you need um players in there here to take out the defense and, and create from there instead of uh instead of solely relying on one man. teams will catch on to that after a while. Uh,
0: they remind me of um now they have obviously better players on paper than we did, but when when Alonso and Mascherano decided to pack in into Liverpool and we had Gerard and Torres. And if one of them was injured, which happened quite a bit in the last season of those two together, there's only ever one of them on the pitch. It reminded me of that. It, it go, everything goes through that man, which is Bruno Fernandes. And if it doesn't, then nothing else happens. And he is, he is brilliant. Bruno Fernandes is an absolutely outstanding footballer. But the, he needs a bit of help because not, he's not going to be able to do that every week. They're not going to get that every week. And the players on the pitch, that front three ahead of him are doing nothing. At the minute, apart from Rashford, obviously yesterday was, when his goal was great and passed before, but the other, they need to pick it up. They need to help. I don't know what's going on with Pogba either. It would infuriate me as an United fan with all the skill and all the talent he has at his feet. And he just looks like he cannot be arsed at times. I know he's, he, it isn't, that that—that maybe isn't the case, but he just looks like... When Danny Van de Beek came on the other night uh, against Palace, it was like chalk and cheese. Was just completely different attitude the whole game. Uh, which I, I don't know if I was an fan, I'd be I'd be obviously delighted with winning a game like that. There, it's utter shit sweet to win a game after the final whistle. You'd be over the moon. But as Paddy and you all said, there'd be alarm bells ringing. Like if we're not careful here, someone a bit better than Brighton, and no respect to Brighton because they started very well, is going to slap us this season if we're not careful. And I know they're going to get maybe a back in, but if they don't get a centre half, and uh, they're going to be in big trouble. But. It doesn't. Although one Manchester team won, even though not playing well, another one was absolutely Hooked this afternoon, man, and I am delighted. (laughs) I thoroughly enjoyed my Sunday afternoon evening with Finn lying on the on his wee play mat in the living room, watching Man City get absolutely dusted by Leicester. It uh, sounds to me that you hate Man City more than Man United.
1: Like that's that's the vibe I get off you. Sometimes you hate
0: City. I have. I respect. I respect what Man United have done I do. over the I years. And I absolutely despise every single being and everyone to do with Manchester City. Everything to do with them. Like, I, I, I would happily have a Man United fan on this podcast. Sorry to any City fans that listen. I'm not really sorry. And I'd happily have one on and chat away to them about football because I respect what's going on there and what has been. I have no respect for Manchester City at all. Like, couldn't care less. Could not care less. Delighted Leicester absolutely roasted them today. Um, Trent, to i let you go in here or Patrick, whatever, or whoever wants to jump in first with it. Like, What did you make of uh, that performance and does anyone want to give Guardiola advice on defending?
1: Mikael Arteta.
0: <laughs> Johnny, you go in then. Because cause since he's left, Arteta's only lost six games and Guardiola's lost eight.
1: Yeah, um... Well, clearly, Mikel Arteta was the brains behind them, um, Centurions. Like, so, you know, I don't know. Like, it's, I actually, uh, <laughs> I seen Man City win winning 1-0 after a couple of minutes. And I was like, oh, fuck that. So I didn't even bother watching the rest of it. I thought that we went on and won comfortably. And checked back later on. It was like 4-1. I was like, what in the bejesus is going on here? But uh, like you said, it's it's great comedy. I'd love to see it. Um, it's like we said last week, any team can beat anybody. And when Man City get beaten, all their shabillions, it's, it's fantastic, fantastic baiting. Um, I might just tune in to Match of the Day 2 tonight, just to have a wee nose. A wee nosey, it's Pep going absolutely boogaloo. But uh, Man City have a, a big defensive problem. And I sent it to you not that long ago, the money he spent on defenders. How can you spend all that money on defenders and not get a single one right? Like, really, who, who's been a real standout defender for Man City recently? Like, Barb, Vincent company in the last 10 years.
0: I, I think Laporte had maybe uh, a solid half a season where he wasn't injured, a really good one, where people were talking about him and, being, him and Van Dijk being the two best centre-halves in the league. And then he's just been injured too much from then, like, so it's hard to really judge him now. But I know, Patrick, you were doing a bit of research on it before this came on. Um, and Johnny's right there. Like, it, his defensive uh, transfers, like, he should be brought to criminal court for this. Like, he should be brought in front of the Hague for a crime against war. For that. Well, war crimes in Man City, we probably should have mentioned. We get ourselves in trouble, like, but he should, like, that is diabolical what he has done there uh, <laughs> when he's serving defenders.
2: Absolutely, um, and I, I like your, your thread about criminals, because the answer They are criminals, uh, in my mind, <laughs> absolutely criminals, cow, cowboys, shady pack of bastards, how they got away with what they did is absolutely beyond me, they, they should be having two years in the European wilderness right now, but because they have lawyers that picked up technicalities, they're getting away with it, and you could see how pissed off a lot of the managers were, like Mourinho came out and commented on it, Klopp came out and commented on it, they're absolute shitbags, and they've set up this little, this this little flipping family tree of clubs in every fucking hole in the hedge across the world, trying, <laughs> to, feed, trying to feed, this fucking. Is
0: Johnny but, or Patrick talking?
2: <laughs> him? I I can't I stand and I really can't stand Guardiola either. Um, I, I think you know every manager can be a bit prickly after a loss, but you know Guardiola. I've read his biography. I, I thought he. I thought he came across, he's totally obsessive, which a lot of great sportsmen are, but I can see how, I can't remember which of you said, but how it would grind a player down after a while, being with that every day. He is so consumed. Um, and even, you might have been there, Phil, he did a question and answer session at the waterfront. Um, it was, yeah. Jimmy Nesbitt, yeah. I thought he came across really strangely then too, but, you know, that's by the by. But yes, um, the can't sign defenders... And spend fifty million on shit every season, in defence. Um, it's it's absolutely shocking. You know, they could have fed half Africa with some of the some of the defenders they've bought. You know, the money that they've wasted is crazy, absolutely crazy. And then there a the player playing that should have been playing rugby today. You know, Garcia uh, wearing that scrum hat just looked so odd.
0: I thought it was Christian Kiwi at one point. I thought he would come back from the wilderness.
2: I thought it was Dave Humphreys. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it's um... Um, yeah. I know, I know, Brenton. I know, I'm. I know how much you cannot stand that football club. But isn't it absolutely glorious to see them fall apart like this? And and it was actually me. Sorry, I'd say it about the intense period because when. The only reason why I picked up, I, I sort of, you've heard people talk about it before, but the only reason why it was fresh in my mind was when Liverpool signed Thiago, There was obviously people were linking them before to going back to Pep Guardiola, but apparently, it, now I don't know how true this is, but there was no intention of him because of how that had gone on before. I think he'd had enough. He, he knows what goes on there. He knows how, probably how intense it is, and he, he wanted to try something new. And this is Guardiola, you know what I mean? It's supposedly the greatest. Well, possibly modern day manager um, we've seen but so it is, it is strange, I think there is a thing behind that the intensity of it and it's the first time we have ever gone in five years so I don't know Breton, I'm sure you enjoyed yourself as well when you heard that Leicester were hoofing City the because I know, as I said, I know how much you hate them but uh, what do you make of their defensive fatali- fatalities and do you think this could be possibly the end of the bald fraud I hate to use that but it's funny, the bald fraud's time at City. <laughs>
3: It, it, it very well could be. Um I think that that would be found under embarrassing today uh, for Man City. Um and I don't think the owners could probably handle too many more of those games, especially um being at home and you know, having uh the selection that, that he had. Um I know they're missing a the but it's not an excuse when you have Morris, De Bruyne, Sterling, um well, I know he starts holding. I don't overly rate him, but um, everyone seems to like his whole lick, so. Um, <laughs> on, <gracious>. on that,
2: <laughs> we're all yeah, in today on city.
3: Love it. <laughs> yeah, I think this this one. If last week's was was one P and I did not to listen to, I think this week probably city. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it is it is criminal that he, he. Oh, there's Bud right in the face. Um. It always seems to be when I'm talking. I wonder if probably not like me. Um, yeah, it always seems to be uh, like he can't, can't recognize proper defenders. Um, still having Mandy starting in that City team is, is inexplicable to me. Um,
0: oh, it's, it is the best. It is the best, crack. <sighs> I've Actually, when I, when I look at their team sheets, I, read and I look at their team sheet and see when I see him, I genuinely giggle. Because so I'm like, yes, we are in for a hoot this afternoon, man. Because yeah, he I, is dirt.
3: I, I imagine it's, it's like when you see a Chelsea team, when you see Alonso starting. It's, it's a similar thing <laughs> yes. um, to that. Uh, but, you know, the, I think there's, um, again, there's so many options uh that he could play at left back. Um that he just seems to ignore and, and I wonder is the pressure because they did spend money on Mandy, a good bit of money on him and, and people talk talked him up and he was he was a World Cup winner and and in, in, in very Thomas. But um you know it, it seems to be he thinks uh that his his attacking prowess on his team, which to be fair most of the times it, it does um get Matt City out of a hole, but um it's getting worse season on season for Matt City and I think I, I think there's a general um sort of trend that the I wouldn't say that the lesser teams but the mid-table teams are just getting better as well. Um I don't think there's as much of a separation as has been spoken about. Um I think Everton who who would be considered that looks so good this season Leicester, even Palace Now Brighton um, have, have had a really strong start to the season Wolves you could argue as well So um, I think With the, the quality of these clubs And the damage They can do to you um, You can't have a weakness in your team And Man City Have a weakness in defence
0: A big one Um, And even I, Like even In midfield today as well, I know came out afterwards and he said it was a really strange comment after the game a bit along the lines of um, what they expect when a team turns up not to play now Leicester had scored five goals so to me it looked like they played alright and I watched the game and you're right Paddy you said before it gets really touchy and look managers don't take defeats great like it's understandable it's such a pressure job we've seen Klopp uh, making an agent of himself the odd time when he's come out after a certain games and he, and he sounded silly like but that from Pep was just utter bollocks because Leicester played the perfect game plan the first 20 minutes Man City were being their usual great self and they were passing the ball around they were zipping and it. it was quick and they were going down the channels and uh, Sterling was causing a nuisance and Mario scored a great goal and then Leicester just sort of figured them out and started shutting things down and, and started create chances and Jamie Vardy must have looked at that back line and just started laughing his bollocks off because he knew it was going to happen. They got three penalties there, uh, Man City or Leicester. And it was three different defenders caused the fouls. Three and of your all, back line. All penalties. all penalties. And like, Jimmy Vardy is the best, I'd say, in probably world football at winning a penalty. Hazard, and his, his pump, is unreal at winning fouls. Don't get me wrong, but Vardy has this real knack of just winning penalties. I love not when I'm diving, he just knows when to draw the foul. And those agents, absolute kamikaze pilots constantly bundle into him. I think it was, was it the Garcia one was maybe the worst? It was his second, party, second penalty, where he just literally runs through him and boofs him over. I didn't get it at all. Like, it was just so stupid. And I don't know. I think this. I, I kind of hope as well. No offence, Man City fans. I think this could be the sort of towards the end of Guardiola's time at Man City. I think it has been so intense and they've been chasing that Champions League and I, I think it's going. It's just burnt them out. He's been chasing to try and win a game without winning it with Messi, obviously. The two years I had were ourselves and themselves have been um, chasing each other for league titles and, and different things. And I'm not just being biased here, but you look at us and how Klopp seems to rein, reinvigorate great the squad and it keeps it we just seem to keep ticking away and getting better and better whereas Man City they have these players but their defence gets worse and worse. It's just uh it, it needs to be highlighted more I think when we talk about Guardiola as one of the greats, He still is in that conversation, don't get me wrong, because it's Barcelona team, but it definitely that should be a, a little pin on that where people highlight that and talk about this going forward like but um I don't know what I don't know what you think Pascal like I don't know if you think do you think this is his time is up? Like, do you, do you think Man City will be looking at someone else next season?
1: I think without Messi and without money, Pep Guardiola is a fucking, you know, Brenton oh, Rogers geez. like he is a fucking <laughs> dort. All right, <laughs> how you, dare you say that
0: about the broach?
1: Fucking Arsene Wenger is a better manager than fucking Pep Guardiola was. Fucking oh, I fraud. It, I knew you, I fraud.
0: I knew. in his... At some point this year,
1: fucking fraud. Like. He won a Champions League with Messi. Fuck me. Like, fucking me and Brenton
0: could win a Champions League with Messi.
1: Like, fuck, <laughs> fuck
0: off. Just well, fucking right do, is it? Messi and the money.
1: He's just Kevin Keegan. Yeah, he he he's, he's just he's an
0: absolute fraud. Like,
1: <laughs> convince me otherwise. Like, he won fucking... He won Bundesliga with Bayern Munich. Fuck me. Like, Spud could win the Bundesliga with fucking Bayern Munich. <laughs> like, woof. Lewandowski, just go score goals. Man, steady here. There's a couple of billion... Buy a load of defenders, a load of bollocks, and give the ball to
0: Aguero. He, down could, he couldn't story. win the champion. He couldn't win the Champions League with Bayern Munich, and he had a decent side with Bayern Munich and played decent football. But Hansi Flick went in last year halfway through the season and turned them into this ab- another beat by Hoffenheim today, which is quite ironic. But turned this in um, into this absolute machine last year. And I know he uh, perhaps away a couple of years from now. But you do wonder like what is going on because. You were expecting him just to dominate the game of Bayern Munich and he didn't. And I don't know, maybe the Guardiola shine is starting to, well, it's not coming off his head, but it's starting to certainly sort of dim a bit and I don't know, I think I think they will move on from him and I think he'll probably want to move on himself because if he gets another hammer like that there, if things don't start going his way, you will see the dummy come out more, you see him lose it more and then he'll just go, I've had enough and he'll move on to his next project, which will probably be in Qatar somewhere or something daft or something with a load of stupid loads of money but I think he's was kind uh, of going um, the
1: way Mourinho was going like if you look if you look over the years the best manager in my opinion was Alex Ferguson the re- reason why because he always changed his backroom staff with new ideas Arsene Wenger became unfortunately stuck in his ways didn't change anything he had the same backroom staff was still there until the Emery came in and even some, some of them were still there until Arteta came in Pep is stuck in his ways, the same with Jose Mourinho. Mourinho came in and he had a different style and Fanger couldn't handle it. Ferguson, for a while, couldn't handle it but then he changed things, started winning the league again. Same with Pep. Pep's just doing his thing. He's not changing anything. Klopp's come in. Klopp has absolutely fucking rattled him in the league and he's rattled him in Europe because he's thinking fuck, I can't go win the league. I need to win the Champions League this year and all this pressure's on him. He just won't change his ideas because he's a stubborn bastard and he thinks he can play the Barcelona way or the Pep Guardiola way anywhere he goes and that's not the way it works. You look at Barcelona, Barcelona are still playing, trying to play their style of football and they're struggling. They didn't win that league last, last year. They haven't won the Champions League since Neymar, Messi and Suarez were banging them in for them a couple of years ago. So I just think Pep is just aging and he just, he's just kind of falling down the in order and I think Klopp at the minute is definitely up there as probably the best coach in the world because of his ideas are just new and they're different. And you've seen even with Dortmund, he went and he won the league with that Dortmund team against Bayern Munich. There's very few teams are able to do that. So I think perhaps going into that sort of Mourinho-Waiger way where they came in, they had great ideas, they won the league, maybe won a championship, but now their time, as we said, in the sun has passed. Fuck off, you ball fraud. Your time
0: is up. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, right, well, there's there's, a, there's there's two games on tomorrow night, but there's a big game on tomorrow night at 8 o'clock. And um, obviously, with Liverpool fans and, and Arsenal fans on this podcast, Brent, you're going to have the referee here. Um, mm-hmm. We wanted to sort of preview the game before we chat about uh, fancy football this week. Um It is a big game, and as Johnny keeps pointing out to me, it it is currently Mikel Arteta 2-0 in the games that they played against each other, and Arteta's done very well in in the big games. John, I'll let you go first. There there is talk that Liverpool are going to be without possibly Alisson and Thiago, or certainly one of them, Uh, due to a doubt. I think it actually might be... Covid-19 related but there's nothing has been announced just yet so we'll have to wait and see what the crack is like Um, and they weren't in training today I don't think judging by the photos so Johnny how do you see tomorrow night going and i brutally honest like are you confident about getting a result at Anfield do you think Arsenal can and Pe- and Mikael can do it again?
1: Mm, I don't know like I, I think it's different this time around because obviously the first time around it, Liverpool had the league won and they were in party mode still and didn't really give a shit. Community shield is the community shield. I think you would have taken it either way. If you lost it, you don't really care, which I don't think a lot of people really cared. Um, it's Anfield, like It'll not be the same Anfield, so I don't know. Um, Klopp probably doesn't like getting beat that often and probably doesn't like getting beat by the same manager, but it could be 2-2 by the end of this week because we play these again on it's a Thursday or something.
0: Eight.
1: Again. Um, I don't know. Uh I'm not gonna say I'm confident because we're playing Liverpool like you know, they're Premier League champions, they were the European champions up until last month. So I don't know, I would t- I would take a draw and just move on. Um I think a lot of teams will go to Anfield and just take a draw. Uh and I don't really I don't really think it matters that Thiago's missing or Allison because you just didn't have Thiago last season. and You still won the league very comfortably. You just have players there who can step in the midfield and do a job. I think Adrian's a decent keeper. He's decent backup, even though he made a few mistakes last year and got a lot of grief from people. But if Liverpool play the way they can, Adrian will have very little to do tomorrow, which is not a good he, thing for us.
0: He played 11 league games last year and won 11 games. And I, I yeah. people do forget that because the Atletico Madrid obviously mistakes are highlighted a lot. And look, like, you don't want to notice I I like him, like, I think he's brilliant. And he, I've, I've watched a lot of interviews with him, and he, and he seems lovely. Like, and you you obviously don't want him to be your number one when you have Alisson as your first choice goalkeeper. But I do think he does, as you're right, he does get harsh. That I, I let you come in now, Patrick. If, if those two are missing, it's not great, mostly because I. I <laughs> You want to see your best players play, and I just want to watch Thiago play again for Liverpool like, and, and see w- what he could do tomorrow night against Arsenal. But I do think, and this isn't me being stupidly cocky, I do think this Liverpool team, like, this is still the team that won the league last year and won it quite well. There are a few players in that team that, especially if they start tomorrow night, I'm talking about Naby Keita, I and mean are probably looking over their shoulders now at the likes of Thiago. On the, might be there. Curtis Jones is coming through, he's going to be pushing soon knocking on that door game with Klopp, thinking I need more minutes. Firmino up front, loves playing against Arsenal, but he hasn't been amazing so far. He hasn't really been amazing for a couple of months. Tacky I Minamino, mean, he plays his position, has been, and he's gotten better and better and better, and is constantly getting mentioned in every press conference. It's going to be a few players who are going to probably try and make a point tomorrow night, whether it's because the lads come off the bench, or being the lads to start. So, I don't know. Quietly confident, Liverpool can get a win tomorrow night against Arsenal. What do you think, Patrick?
2: Yeah, like history would suggest that we'd be heavy favourites. I was looking up the results before this. Um, the last four seasons at Anfield, this game is fifteen three on aggregate. Um so we have played. Well. I know. I know this is definitely a different Arsenal with Arteta, and they do concern me. Um yeah. I think per- particularly where I'd be most concerned is. The left-hand side where Aubameyang sort of drifts and I've seen Aubameyang work really well in tandem with Maitland-Niles or Saka in the past and that up against Trent who is a good player but you know can have his deficiencies defensively that left side would worry me. The second Arsenal thing that would concern me is that William has a great a great delivery from set pieces or just in general open play and wide, wide positions Um, so th- those are two areas that would worry me for Arsenal. Where I think that Liverpool can get on top is is midfield. Even if Tiago's out, and um, we sort of spoke about it last week, um, Xhaka and Ceballos, I think I think our midfield three could could boss them. Hopefully, and um, sort of get control of the game. Uh, even if Tiago's out, I think if Fabinho's back in there with Wayne and possibly with Curtis Jones, who has really been knocking on the door lately. He looked amazing. I know it was only League Cup and it was only Lincoln, but his Everything about him his swagger, his touch, his vision. He's got a bit of needle, a bit of strength. I really, really like him. I, you know, if if he if he starts the game, I'd be, I'd be delighted to be honest. Um, and hopefully they can set up a bit of a platform for the front three and and, and try and do something. So we'll 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 Brenton. see. we we'll oh,
0: how do you me. how do you see it going tomorrow night?
3: Um, oh, it's difficult to call. You know, um, Arsenal started the season a lot better than I thought it was, to be honest, as well. Um, I think Potter's probably right. I think that midfield is is where um, Arsenal can be got at. Um, but I do think that really, if Liverpool control Aubameyang, they, they, they can contain Arsenal's threat. Um, I think he's so important to what they do. Um, and if he doesn't have a good game, then even mentally and and psychologically, I think some of the other players will maybe put their heads down. Um, but if he gets, if he's on it from the word go and he's allowed to sort of do his thing, I think Liverpool could be in for for quite a difficult game. Um, but I'd be interested to ask Johnny, like, where he kind of thinks um, Arsenal can hurt Liverpool, and, and you know what do you think Arteta will do? Do you think he'll set it up any different or? You think you can't kind of just do what he's been doing in the first couple of games?
1: Um, I think David Louise will come back into the team. Um, there, there's positive news about Kieran Tierney; he's going to be yeah. available. But maitland Nels has been so good on the left that I, I reckon it'll be David Louise, Gabrielle, and, and Rob Holding in, in the back with probably either Tierney or Maitland-Niles on the left with with Ballard on the right, but. I don't think Pepe will start the game, but I think he can come on and if he plays the way he played in the FA Cup final, he could have a big say, kind of, in what uh, what way the game goes. Like obviously, the last year, with, I think it was one of Pepe's first games. He was the first player to go around Van Dijk in a long time, so you know he's he's a player that can change a game if he's really on it. Like you said, Aubameyang, I think last weekend, kind of, Aubameyang didn't have a great game, and Arsenal managed to win the game without him even scoring, which was a positive thing for us to kind of see that Arsenal can grind out results without Aubameyang being on it. It's obviously West Ham. It's not, you know, Liverpool. It's going to be a difference to completely. But, uh, I think Lacazette will have a, a big role to play tomorrow night. He's going to have to, you know, kind of get around Van Dijk and try and be a nuisance. Like, obviously, there's a massive size difference there between Van Dyke and, and Lacazette, but, you know, Lacazette showed at the game at the Emirates, a game we mentioned
3: earlier that it was
1: a different game altogether. Liverpool kind of weren't really that worried about it, like. But he's shown he can be a, a real pain, and they asked people like he can get around and make life a bit difficult and hold the ball up and get other players involved. But I think I think like like uh, Paddy said earlier, the left hand side for Arsenal is probably um, where we can try and get something out of the game. It's it's going to be very difficult. The midfield, like you said, we have Jacques and Zabios, uh with. You know, the likes of Joe Willick come off the bench. Liverpool got Henderson, Wynald, you know, Fabinho. There's probably other boys there I can't even think of at the moment. Like, you know, Liverpool have options to come off the bench if things aren't going well. We have probably the likes of Pepe and, you know, Eddie and Kelly, Joe Willick, Reason Nelson. You know, not uh, a lot of youngsters there who don't have massive experience. Like, they have experience, of course, but, you know, they're not Champions League winners, Premier League winners. Like, so. If it is a tight, you know, nil nil one each or something, which I don't think it will be, because historically Arsenal, Liverpool, and Anfield are high-scoring games. Um, I think Liverpool's bench will could be the winner for them, but Mana enjoys playing against us, especially at Anfield. So, uh, I, I can't see us really getting a win tomorrow night. It's probably asking a bit too much of this current Arsenal team.
0: I think it's 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 the. Uh... It's the maybe the closest these two teams have been, uh, in terms of like on the pitch. Just and what I, what I think will happen in a couple of years. I, like last year, I was uh, stupidly confident when you came downfield to the start of the season because I just thought we were going to be flying, and and I just thought Arsenal. Just I wasn't convinced. That, like a lot of people under Emery. Whereas Otero does seem to have something about him in this Arsenal team. They're completely transformed. Like, they're nowhere near, obviously, as you know, John, and you say all the time near the finished article, but you're aiming off Aubameyang and Lacazette. Like, they're two, on their day, world-class finishers. Like, Lacazette hasn't properly kicked off yet at Arsenal, I don't think. Like, it's still, there's still a bit in them you're just waiting so you can give that wee bit more, whereas Aubameyang is probably the best, one of the best, certainly, strikers in the Premier League anyway. And, you said Pepe. I, Paddy, you're right about the midfield. I, I, the, the thing I would I would, I would love someone in, in Liverpool's midfield without Thiago being there and us obviously having to try and rely on Thiago already. Someone else to decide to control the game from midfield. I want to see that more. I don't want to help skelter game. I want a composed game like what we got. Now, Chelsea down 10 men for a lot of game. But what we got last week, I want to see that again. I was really impressed with that and we looked supreme at times last week, we were really comfortable in the ball and able to pass it around, I want to see that tomorrow night, I don't want to see a Helderskeller, I don't want to get caught up in it because this Arsenal team can punish you from anywhere and I don't want something like that happening so it, it is interesting, especially if the two lads are missing, the, the Alisson one is obviously bigger I think because Thiago has only played one game, he's only arrived I'd like to see Jada involved as well just because he's the new signing in but yeah, it's I think it's gonna be a cracking game to be honest. I, I don't think it'll be tight. I don't think it'll be a one score finish either. I think I think both teams will score. Um just the I minute mean, just was what both teams have got going forward. Um but I do think it's gonna I do think it'll be a a good game, maybe not like a four three or whatever. I just think it'll be two or three one to Liverpool I'll maybe go with in the end tomorrow night.
2: I think our high line will give Arsenal chances. I, yeah. I think they will. They will have a couple of really good chances at the very least, and if they can stick them away, it could be a very interesting game.
1: I think it yeah, all depends it's... on what David Luiz you get tomorrow night. Like David Luiz, from what I've seen him at Arsenal, can be immense or he can be David Luiz. Do you know what I mean? So he, ter- he,
0: he turned up at at Anfield one night for Chelsea under Conte, and he was the best player on the pitch. It's the year I think you have won the league, Brent, under Conte. I think he's did he score a free kick or did William score late on? I think maybe I'm getting games mixed up, but he, he turned up one night in Anfield under Conte and he was absolutely unbelievable from start to finish. And They'll he love can still back do that. Like, yeah, middle of a back three. And, and he he can't he, like, he is a, ma- a mentalist at times, but he can do <laughs> things like that. He can turn up and he he can actually impact the game. Like, was it Man City in the FA Cup where he had that through ball? Uh, for one of Aubameyang's chances or his goals, and he he was brilliant that day as well. So he definitely, you're right, Johnny. If if he has a big game tomorrow, Arsenal will go very close. And like a draw at Anfield for Under Atter, you take it all day. I think it. One of the other, I think was someone on the Anfield rapper, or someone in Five Lives said one day they're talking with their team, uh, and they were saying, "You eat, uh, what your aim is when you're playing the Big Six away from home." is to get a point and win all your home games against them and then come May, you'll be in the mix. So, mm-hmm. I always thought that at Liverpool, if we're going away to the likes of Chelsea, United, Arsenal, Spurs, whoever it is in the top six, if we can come away from a point, you're happy enough and then when you get them at home, that's what you have to make, win it and make it make a difference. So, yeah, if Arsenal get a draw tomorrow, I think it's a cracking result. I really do think it is and it sets them up well going on for the next couple of weeks because they play Man City soon too, which will be interesting. So, yeah, we have a hard I games tomorrow you do have a hard seven games but you're two two from two so we'll see how it goes tomorrow night Um, now I'll let you take over now because you're going to do the fantasy chat and I have no idea what's going on with it so Bretton you can lead what's going on in fantasy this week is Patrick still leading I think Patrick is still
3: leading you know um, although <clears throat> because we have um, we have so many games over so many days it is we're obviously recording this on a Sunday night and we still have um, obviously that big game tomorrow night um, which a lot of boys will have a lot of players in I would imagine Um, and well follow Mastinville as well um, in case anybody has any players in that game I think Mitrovic maybe um, is in a lot of teams so um, yeah at the minute um, Paddy's still top Um, haven't had the strongest game week so far Paddy but and um, I imagine you have, uh, you know, your first year of Liverpool players in there and maybe Arsenal as well. So um, I have, must say, you know, given myself a bit of praise. Um, from starting 16th, uh, the first week, I've made myself up to mid-table. i yet now 8th. Um, and uh, Mr Douglas are still out of, out of uh, the three of us is, I think you've moved up, Johnny, but you're you're twelfth now still. Yeah,
1: I've actually had, I've had a better week than last week. That's for damn sure. Um, I think me and you have the same points. Or actually, I think I lost a point. I lost a point in the Wolves game because him and his got zero points. So thanks for that, Rob. Yeah. Uh, Bran, Bran has had a very good week so far. Forty six points, but he he had a lead bench boost, which he got one point for. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's terrible. <laughs> oh, the big man of listening to this day. I hope you're happy. <laughs> One point from a bench boost. That's terrible. Um,
2: um,
3: yeah, I think and and yeah, um, the absolute majority of his points coming from a captain Fernandez there as well, like with mm-hmm. um, a goal on an assist. Like so, taking um, along nicely, but um, very very early days. Like nobody's out of sight yet. Like and. Um, Paddy, it looks like maybe you're going to drop a few points this week, which is exciting for everyone else.
2: Yeah, I haven't had a really strong week. I still have three players to play at Van Dijk, Salah and Aubameyang. I did something very risky with my two free transfers this week in that I sort of downgraded a couple of players at the back. So I took out Trent and put in Van Dyke. And I took out Stuart Dallas and put in your fellow Tyreek Mitchell from Palace to try and save money. So I've got nearly two million in the bank and I'm going to absolutely spunk it on a upgrade on a midfielder next week. So I'm going to see how that all pans out. But, uh, yeah, not a great week so far.
1: Stuart Dallas got six points this week.
2: I know, raging. <laughs> <laughs> <Definitely> raging.
1: <laughs> Overall, um, as long as Chrissy Hagen doesn't win the Final Fantasy football this year, I think we will all be pleased.
3: Yeah, that sums it up pretty well for. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what, what was that, sorry? <laughs>
3: As
1: long as Chrissy Hagen doesn't win the fantasy football league this year, we will all be pleased. It's basically like uh, he's like your, I suppose, in terms we will all understand. He's like the man of fantasy football. Like he criminal. just, he's just coming and spending all his hundred million and winning the league every year and doing my tits.
0: <laughs> I don't think we will ever get an invite to do a live show in Manchester. Probably oh, not. You know what? I'm not really um, too worried. No, I couldn't give a fuck either. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have so much respect for United fans that we didn't give them a touch this week. But people that still listen when we when we absolutely abuse our team, like fair Ferbale is for listening. We really appreciate it. Um, if we want to get you on, come on the show, and tell us why they we're wrong, and we'll tell you why we're right. But I think I don't think there's any other business. Uh, to talk about this week, I think that's a sort of us finished for this week's podcast. We have obviously Colin Murphy from RT uh, Live Score. He commentates on a lot of the different sports, competing in the Olympics and different things. He's coming on to chat to me on Tuesday night, so I'll try and get that up during the week at some point. He's commenting a minute on the Portuguese league, so he's going to tell us about about it. Who to look out for in it, and um, other players that he's seen come through it, and maybe. Um, how good they are, and certainly if you're a Manchester United or Man City fan, if you still want to listen, that might be a good one for you because you'll hear about Ruben Diaz and Alex Telles, uh, the fullback from Porto, who he has in fifty-something games. Well, he's got twenty-eight, no, twenty-eight goals and fifty-six assists or something too, I know he's absolutely wild figures he has in for all his games for Porto. So he be an interesting player for Manchester United, Dad, and certainly someone else that could uh, create opportunities for them, but. I think that'll do us Uh, Patrick as always thank you for coming on thank
2: you very much lads pleasure
0: Uh, Mudman thank you for coming on as always go back (laughs) to your mud (laughs) I will (laughs) Mud and Spud and Brenton thanks for uh, well being the boss and producing it and doing everything else and thanks for having us all on folks if you need to get us uh, just check Twitter's your best bet at the Sports Bubble um, and then fire it into all your podcast apps and you'll find it's pretty handy um, hopefully all your teams lose including, including yours Johnny and we'll see you again next week good luck